Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week.
It's good to see each of you here today for worship. Uh, the only thing I don't like about wearing a mask is, other than not being able to breathe very good, is I can't tell who all of you are. So, especially some of you visitors that I've only met a few times, but I'm glad to have you here today, and I'm glad we are, have the opportunity to worship, even though we do need to wear the mask. Uh, before I say anything else, I'd like to welcome our guest pastor today. Bill Leathers is no stranger to most of you because he has a very strong association with Tryon through his son, Ren. And we all know Ren and have enjoyed being with him for the past, as long as I have been here. And we're happy to have Crystal you with Bill today. And we feel like you're not a stranger, so I'm just going to let people read your bio in the bulletin. And I'm not going to read all that stuff to you, but just know that we're happy to have you here. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. We ask that you greet each other with a friendly smile and a nod as we enjoy worshiping together. John Spinks will now come and ring the Trinity chime. Let us read responsively. Praise be to God, who rescues us from the power of darkness, who redeems us and sets us free. Praise be to Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation, through whom all things were made in heaven and on the earth. Praise be to the Spirit of God, whose presence sustains us whose breath renews all creation. Behold, I am making all things new. Come to God and make your home among us. Pour out your spirit and renew the face of the earth.
Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today laying down our pride and arrogance and confess our need for you. We lay our knees before you and worship you. Without you, we are nothing. Teach us how to worship you fully and completely. Fill us with your spirit as we praise you. Lord, you have told us in your word that you hear our prayers. We are crying out to you. We are humbling ourselves before you, seeking your presence. We come together individually and as a church body to seek your, you and your grace. We ask for your help in being a light in every place that we have been given to walk. Give us care and wisdom as we live and work with one another. Help us to look to another's needs before our own and to always be ready to serve those around us by the power of your love within us. Even in every dark and broken place, for the time we feel like we are barely making it through, give us your joy, Lord, your grace, and the powerful presence of your peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Join me in responsive reading of Psalm 14. Fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on mankind to see if there are any who are wise who seek after God. They have all gone astray they are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Have they no knowledge? 
all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord, there they shall be in great terror, for God is with the company of the righteous. You would confound the blinds of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that deliverance for Israel would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. scripture this morning is from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord.
Good morning. It's good to see you. Before the sermon, I want to tell you that we have come to love Tryon. Uh, our son, Wren, moved to this area uh, 15, 20 years ago, and Tryon was really never on the map for us. We were either on 85 headed toward Atlanta or 40 headed toward Asheville, but just never landed in Tryon. And it wasn't until he moved here that we realized how much we had missed. You all are in a truly beautiful place. Uh, Wren invited me to come with him to a Baptist men's cookout one night over in a building you all have across the street, and uh, that was a treat. Also wanted to thank you for Jeff and Jody Harris. They are, you're fortunate to have them, I'm sure you know that, but on behalf of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina, thank you for sharing them with us. Jeff is giving wonderful leadership, uh, servant leadership to CBF North Carolina and uh, is just doing a wonderful job in that during this tough year. And thank you for the beautiful anthem. That was, that was really nice. This morning I want you to imagine, and this is a big one, I want you to imagine that you are God. I can imagine a husband and a wife poking the other one and saying, that won't be very hard for you. <laughs> but imagine that you're God, and you're looking down on your creation, on us. And part of what you see delights you, the, the beautiful mountains, the ocean, the changing of seasons, the acts of kindness that happen between us but you also see much that disturbs you and makes you sad. The way some have so much and some so little, the way, the way we always seem to be able to make an argument out of something, the way we treat creation, the way we treat each other. And imagine now you're God and you're looking down on this and you think to yourself, I love these people, I, I created them, I want better for them than this. And so you wonder, how can you help them to understand who you are and the kind of life you offer to them? Whatever plan you devise will have to be presented in a way that they can understand. They are human, they really are not God. Their minds are not big enough to see things the way God does. And you know that your plan will have to be quite different from what they're doing now. Because you don't want them to stay the same. You want to help them change for the better. Now, turn off that imagination for a moment. As you read the biblical narrative, you'll see that God's answer to this unfolded in several acts or stages. The first, first act came when he chose to designate as his special people the slaves in Egypt, who were the descendants of Abraham. They were the most unlikely of choices, but that was exactly what made the choice so right. God's plan was to take this motley group and to mold them into a new community, into a picture of the kind of community that he thought should serve the whole world. God's purpose was that whoever looked at Israel would see an example of what it looked like to love and follow God. Israel would be... Uh, in the biblical phrase, a kind of light to the nations that would draw the rest of the world to God. Israel started out fulfilling God's hope and, and, and being a, a living example of the unique difference that it takes and, and creates when you love and follow God. 
But as so often happens, the blessings that God poured out on Israel began to be seen by Israel as an entitlement. They reasoned to themselves, since God chose us, we deserve every good thing. Because we are God's special people, we are to be treated that way. We are to receive all the benefits that come from being chosen by God. How very human. So God moved on to Acts 2. Act 2. He said, I tried calling Israel, but it hasn't worked out the way I had hoped. And yet I know that whatever I do has to be done in a way that the people on earth can understand. And it needs to be done in a way that's different from the way they are now. Because I, I want to help them change. I, I want to help them become a new creation. So instead of using earth people to show earth people, God decided to send his only son who was totally God, to send him down to earth. God would make it so that his son would take on human form. And in that form, the son would show the world what it means to love and follow God. Well, we know how Act 2 played out. God sent his son... Jesus did not arrive as the world would have expected, but that was God's plan. It had to be different. Instead, Jesus was born to a, a poor, faithful Israelite couple in a cow stall. As he grew up, Jesus spoke the local language. He surely looked much like any other Jewish child. But as Jesus grew into young adulthood, he was also radically different. He had compassion for the poor. He had little patience with anyone or anything who would block another person from receiving God's welcome and God's forgiveness and God's joy. Now God's plan was that when people saw Jesus, they would understand that he was God. When they saw Jesus, they would see God. But in fact, when many saw Jesus, they wondered. They scratched their head at the time he wasted with sinners. They ground their teeth at the way he understood God's law. They, at least some of them, wanted to kill him. Especially when they heard him proclaim that he was God himself. He answered their questions about the limits of forgiveness by saying that for God's people, forgiveness ought never to stop. Finally, the image of God portrayed by Jesus was so alien to the world that they began to plan to get rid of Jesus. And they, and in a real sense, we crucified him. Just as Abraham's children misunderstood God's blessings misunderstood them as entitlement rather than gifts to be shared. Now the whole world seemed to be rejecting this picture of God as a God who gives himself for the sake of others, a God who sacrifices himself for the sake of his creation. But God being God, he kept on. His intent in sending Jesus was to pay for the sins that separate us from him. So even though the world was putting Jesus to death, God transformed that death into the greatest act of grace ever given. 
as 1 Peter 3.18 puts it, for Christ also suffered sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring us to God. At this point, God expanded his message to the world to Acts 3, to, to Act 3. As before, God knew that whatever he did had to be done in a way people could understand. And God knew that whatever he did had to offer an alternative to the life they were currently living. During the three years that Jesus ministered on earth, he had carefully trained his followers in God's way of living. He also promised that God would empower their faithfulness by giving them the Holy Spirit. And now his disciples began to tell others about God's new community and, and began to live into that new community so that people could see it at least partially. That's what was happening in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a metropolis, one of the major cities in the Roman Empire. Paul had come there and he had begun to talk about, to preach about, to show what God had done. The amazing way that God had sent his son to the world. How Jesus had lived a life of radical love and had died on the cross as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And as they heard this message and as they saw it embodied in Paul, people in Ephesus began to respond. And they were an amazingly diverse group. But that's where the rub came in. You had a few slave owners who would follow Jesus. You also had many slaves who became believers. You had many women who, when they heard the gospel account, sensed that Jesus valued women in a special way, and so they flocked to this new community. But men came also. Men who were coming from a world in which men had all the status and power. You also had Jews who were drawn and you had non-Jews in the past. They had never had anything to do with each other and suddenly they were finding themselves together. Can you picture it? The church is meeting in a house, probably the house of one of the more prosperous members, but it's a house. And people are coming in, people wandering in to worship. A slave owner comes in, takes a prominent seat, and his slave comes in and sits beside him. Both of them, the owner and the owned, hear that they are equal in God's sight and that they are to serve one another as Christ has given himself up for them. A husband comes in and maybe to his surprise, there sits his wife, who up until now has been almost like a servant to him. And he hears in the gospel message that husbands and wives are to be subject to each other because of their reverence for Christ. And you begin to realize this is not a natural setting. We usually choose to mix with our own kind. And here in the church in, in Ephesus, the atmosphere is tense. It's no wonder that Paul offers a prayer for this group and for us. If they're going to be God's advertisement in Ephesus, a miracle is going to have to happen. Old attitudes are going to have to be replaced by a whole new way of relating to each other. And this is not just a human-sized task. 
It can only happen with God's intervention. And so Paul prays. Praise to God. And in Ephesians 3, he describes that prayer. And of course, we understand he's not only praying for the church in Ephesus, but he's praying for the church in Winston-Salem and the church in Tryon and the people everywhere who are seeking to love and follow Jesus. Paul begins by addressing his prayer to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Do you see what he's already telling us? This new community starts in the heart of God. He's saying that whether we voted for Trump or whether we voted for Biden, whether we are black or whether we are white, whether we are male or female, whether we speak the southern version of English or with an accented tone, we are named, loved, cherished, and brought together by God. We are God's people. He prays that the Lord God himself will reach into the riches of his glory so that this little community of opposites will be made stronger in their inner beings by the power of God's Holy Spirit so that Christ will dwell in their hearts through faith as they are being rooted and grounded in love. This is a powerful prayer. These people can, we can only become God's new people if Christ gains control of our hearts. Paul also prays that this little community of opposites will have the power to comprehend, that is, that we will have the power truly to see what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the kind of family that Christ has saved and called us to be. He asks God to enable them and us to know the love of Christ that is infinitely deeper than human knowledge. So that instead of being filled with fears and prejudices and hatreds, we may be filled with all the fullness of God. And as I see it, God has an act for For my wife, Crystal, and me, it lives itself out in Winston-Salem. For you, it does here. We don't know Tryon like you do, but we know human nature. We know what a difficult time we have been living through. We know how divided our world is how hard it is to find any kind of common ground that builds community. And yet that is exactly why God has placed you here and why God has placed us there. And we cannot do it on our own power. That's why Paul prays to God. That's why he encourages us to open ourselves to God and say, God, help us do what is so hard to do on our own. But what we can do with the power of your Holy Spirit. And that is to understand that every person, every person is created in God's image. And God has put us here to share his love to share the riches that he has bestowed upon us, to share the hope that he gives, and to become a community of love and grace, a community of forgiveness and hope, a community that points the way to what God wants for all creation. 
I think as Paul prayed this prayer, he must have thought back on his own life. How angry he was at any he perceived as unlike him. How God interrupted his life, literally interrupted his life. Turned him in a new direction. And opened to Paul people that he never would have considered part of his family. And opened to Paul the opportunity to build God's community in a world that desperately needs it. It is a biblical prayer for us all. Paul closes the prayer with this powerful benediction. Now to him who the power who by the power at work within us to him who by the power at work within us is able to to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Jim.
be seated. As we come before the Lord in prayer, I would like to lead you in some petitions and let you have the moment of silence where you can pray and ponder on your communication with God. So let us pray. Lord, let us all thank you for your goodness, for the blessings you have given us. Even in the midst of troubles we have, we see many things that you do, and we thank you. We confess our sins and shortcomings now. Let's pray for peace and unity among all of God's people in the world. Let's now pray for those that we know or those that we don't know who are suffering both physically and mentally and emotionally at this time. Would you name those aloud that you are are especially concerned about today? Daniel Casasana. Be with our pastor as he is away. Now, if there are any of you that are worshiping through Zoom, would like to announce any prayer concerns you have, please do so now. Vernon Dusenberry. Chad Hampton. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's been good to be in God's house today with you. We have heard a wonderful sermon. And I just pray that we will take the message with us as we go out into this world and continue helping in our little ways with Act 4. We know that God, God God will survive without us. But we, he wants us to be part of his plan to shape the world and to make it a better place. Uh, just a word of announcement. I know you, you know that we have the vaccinations going on in the back parking lot. And if any of you would like one, you don't have to sign up. All you have to do is drive through and get a shot. Simple. Just sit there and relax. I'm sure most of you have already done that. But if you have, a, this would be a good opportunity. I'm going to leave us with a benediction that I thought was very, very beautiful, and I think it would really, yes. Before our benediction? Yes. Hey, Dan, come in. Take take your time. Thank you for enduring our uh, golf cart (laughs) transportation this morning. That was plan A, and the golf cart battery is dead. So... (laughs) We switch to plan B. Plan B is for those passengers needing curbside pickup, we're asking you to go to the back door 
and uh, your driver will come around and pick you up there. The parking lot is now open, so you can do pick up there. If you are a driver and need valet service, you need your car brought to you, just let us know at the back door. Let me know. Find me. I'll be back there. And uh, we'll run down and get your car for you and bring it to you curbside. Either way. And then we're asking all non-vaccinated people to just go ahead and get in line with the EMS people. They're here. They're ready for you. <laughs> Thank you. What's the name of that law that we came up with a couple of years ago that says if anything's going to go wrong, then we'll... Murphy's Law was in effect this morning, but we survived it, and we're all the better for it. Okay. Listen to these words. May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes. The love of God be reflected in your hands. The wisdom of God be reflected in your works, words. And the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all may see. And seeing, believe. That's what we're called to do. Just show God to the world. Not through our words necessarily, not through any one thing, but through everything we have and everything we are. Let his love throw, flow through us. So I leave all of us with that challenge, myself included. And have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week.